Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, February 10th, 2023. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me again today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. The MPD book sales report for January is in, Andrew. What kind of story does it tell? Yeah, so I think one month of sales is not enough to project trends for the year. But this week, MPD Bookscan noted that with all of January sales now reported, publishers are off to, well, a pretty solid start for 2023. To be sure, the numbers are down. But by just 199,000 units on a monthly volume of 58 million units sold. And that puts January 2023 among the best starts of a year over the last two decades. In fact, MPD officials say it goes in the upper half. Uh, 2023 is the eighth best start in terms of volume in the 20-year MPD bookscan historical view. Now, in a release this week, MPD analysts agreed that, you know, as I just said, it's too early to project out how the year is going to go. But they did offer a few early observations. And the first is that 2022 trends seem to be holding over so far in 2023. Uh, six of the top 10 sellers for January 2023 were holdovers from 2022. And adult and YA fiction are still trending up, while adult nonfiction is trending down. Backlist sales also continue to grow continuing a real story of the pandemic, the growth of the backlist, and also highlighting just how much frontless sales really are struggling. Frontless sales fell another 2% in January of 2023. And here's something I found really interesting. MPD officials have been following population shifts in the wake of the pandemic, which of course would affect the book market. Uh, I mean, as a New Yorker, I know personally a number of people who have left the city, left the city during the shutdowns and just simply are coming back. Uh, they have nice big lawns in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they have no desire to come back to their small apartments in the city. And NPD officials are noting that uh, and that there is a consumer market shift going on as well uh, with Florida, Texas, and North Carolina seeing the biggest population gains and California and New York and Illinois seeing the largest loss. So I think in terms of book selling, this is something certainly to keep an eye on for sure. And, and one other final note on the subject is that at the end of January, uh, you may have seen it, my boss Jim Milliot caught up with MPD's Kristen McLean, who offered something of a prediction for 2023. And as we've discussed on this show before, uh, 2023 is setting up to be a challenging year. Um, you can, of course, read that piece on the PW site. It's up there now. But basically, McLean warned that sales are likely to be down for at least the first half of this year as both publishing and the overall economy continue to adjust to changes caused by the pandemic, something else we discussed on the show at length. But she also offered a really interesting take on a question that I think looms especially large, and that is, are publishers winning new readers? Did we win new readers during the pandemic, specifically younger readers? And McLean said that the data suggests that Gen Z and to a lesser extent millennials are indeed important book consumers now and that she believes that BookTok and TikTok are not fads and will continue to drive sales for some time. Uh, she told PW that BookScan follows a group of about 100 authors who use BookTok. Uh, and she reported that collectively they had a sales gain of 60% last year, and that comes on the heels of a 40% increase in 2021 over 2020. In a study that MPD did for a client, 80% of those using the BookTok hashtag 
were under the age of 35. So a new generation of readers is emerging, McLean said. And while the industry is going to be going through a period of adjustment, at least for the first half of 2023, she said she's confident that there is going to be a sales rebound on the other side of that adjustment. The American Booksellers Association is getting back together in person for its Winter Institute later this month. PW has a preview of the program taking place in Seattle. Yeah, it's just been over three years since the ABA's last Winter Institute was held in Baltimore in January of 2020. And it's good news that the, the American Booksellers Association is finally able to resume this popular annual show, which will run from February 20th to 23rd this year in Seattle. Uh, the event brings together more than 1,400 booksellers, publishers, vendors, and authors. And organizers this year say that the Winter Institute is going to be its lo- the largest in the organizations in the show's history. So good news there for sure. The nemesis of every indie bookseller is Amazon, of course, Andrew. So does it matter that the location of this year's meeting is Seattle, right in Amazon's own backyard? Yeah, I think it does. And I think if you look at the program... You know, indie booksellers are not looking to get, you know, just into Amazon's backyard here. They're looking to get right into Amazon's kitchen, uh, as they say. You know, the program kicks off on Tuesday with a breakfast keynote taking direct aim at Amazon. Uh, how direct? Well, the talk is titled Choke Points, Antitrust, Amazon, and You. How corporate monopolies are squeezing bookstores and how you can fight back. Pretty direct stuff. Uh, the, the presentation features three prominent anti-Amazon crusaders. Uh, Danny Kane, who's the co-owner of the Raven Bookstore in Lawrence, Kansas, and the author of How to Resist Amazon and Why. Corey Doctorow is on the panel as well, whose recent book, Choke Point Capitalism, which he wrote with lawyer Rebecca Giblin, earned a starred review from PW. And Stacey Mitchell, co-executive director of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance and, according to the New York Times, is the, quote, strategist of the demise of Amazon as we know it. Indie bookselling's counteroffensive against Amazon will continue the next day uh, with Andy Hunter of Bookshop.org and Philip Davies, the ABA director of e-commerce, engaging in a conversation entitled How Indie Bookstores Can Fight Back Against Amazon and Increase Sales by 500%. And that is a catchy title. You can sign me up for that one. Also part of the program is a look at the spike in censorship and book banning efforts uh, that have sort of roiled libraries and bookstores for over the past year, schools as well. Uh, there's a session entitled Book Banning, uh, Stores, Authors, and Communities, What Can We Do? And the discussion will feature uh, Mayo Kebab, whose uh, graphic memoir, Gender Queer, has unfortunately uh, been the most challenged book in the U.S. in 2022. And of course, it's not all business. There's going to be a lot of fun on the agenda as well. There's dinners and parties and receptions uh, and a poetry theater. It's going to reprise uh, last year's virtual snow day sensation. It's going to show uh, video loops of poets reciting their poems. Uh, and all the show is expected to feature, I think, 130 authors and illustrators. Uh, and they include Ani DeFranco, who's the singer-songwriter with a new picture book called The Knowing, uh, illustrated by Julia Matthew. Uh, it's going to drop in March, and DeFranco actually closed out the ALA's Liberal Next conference last week, and she got some really great reviews for her talk. Uh, anyway, I'm going on here, but you can check out the preview on the PW site. As always, my colleagues on the bookselling beat, uh, Ed Nwaka, Claire Kirk, and Natalie Optebeck have done a great job with a ton of content and great prep work for this important return to the ABA's Winter Institute. So please do check it out. 
Hachette and McMillan have announced decisions to raise entry-level starting salaries. Yeah, good news, right? On the publishing labor front here, complicated news, I think, too, um, but good. And we should note that, you know, first, uh, this is two more of the big five publishers have now raised their starting salaries to $47,500 a year. Uh, for Macmillan, it's a really big jump. That's about 12.5% over its starting salary, which was at the $42,000 range. And the news from Macmillan comes a week after Hachette had announced that it was going to raise its entry-level salaries from forty-five to forty-seven point five k. This after what it says was a normal review of salaries undertaken in-house, and that leaves the striking uh, Harper Collins or Harper Collins, whose workers are striking, I should say, and uh, Penguin Random House with uh, starting entry-level salaries still at $45,000. Uh, Simon & Schuster's base salary rate is $50,000, uh, but that is said to be on a 40-hour work week versus a 35-hour work week. And I just have to say, honestly, that's all meaningless, right? Publishing employees don't punch clocks or do shift work. Uh, the job is pretty much all consuming. I'm sure you're always on your phone, taking emails, et cetera. Uh, it's a ton of work. So the base hours thing is not really appropriate, I think. Anyway, good news. More money for the publishing employees who need and deserve more pay. And I think you can certainly equate uh, the, the recent raises to the HarperCollins strike, and the publicity that it's been generating. But as we discussed last week, there's some still some complicating factors on the horizon there, not the least of which that the big five really are facing challenges. And it's possible that we could also see more layoffs and perhaps how more hiring freezes at the big houses. And so that's something also to keep an eye on. You have to wonder if these pay increases are going to be in the short term, at least offset by taking out more headcount. And finally, you have to wonder how this news of going up to $47,500 a year is going to play out for the striking workers at HarperCollins who are looking for, I believe, $50,000 minimum entry-level salaries. Is this going to put some pressure on both sides to sort of now meet at $47,500? I believe HarperCollins says it's offered $46,500. The workers want fifty. We'll see. Uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on, though, as the strike drags on. Uh, good news that, you know, entry-level workers in publishing are, are going to be getting a raise at some houses. And we certainly hope that a fair contract can finally be reached and that the union at HarperCollins can get back to work soon. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on Velocity of Content... From 1987 until his retirement in January, Calvin Reed reported on all aspects of comics publishing as a writer, editor, and podcaster at Publishers Weekly. Over that generation, Reed covered the artists and their audiences, the comic books, and the comics business. When the 2020 Newbery Award went to Jerry Kraft for his book, New Kid, Reed tells me, it signaled that diversified content for diversified readers had arrived. Him winning the Newbery, that was a culmination of a whole lot of years. Those of us in the business, we know Jerry Craft. Jerry Craft is, he's a visionary artist, creator guy. You know, he started a comic strip called Mama's Boys uh, when he, because he didn't see any comic strips out there or not enough of them aimed at a black readership. Uh, he was a self-publisher before it was cool. So seeing Jerry Craft recognized for his storytelling, uh, was a capper to a long career. I mean, he started in the 90s, I think, with uh, Mama's Boys. Is a capper to his literary skills. A calling in comics. Next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. 
Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to this program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.